You never know with Rembrandt's paintings and those of a number of his students, particularly the Gelder, whether where the light is coming from. Is it coming from somewhere above? Kind of, but also it feels like it's coming out of the child, doesn't it? I mean, you know, you can see where the shadows are, but it's brilliantly lit. It's a moment of revelation, and that's the reading that we are given for this Sunday. It's from the Gospel of Luke. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they, this is Jesus' parents, brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written, in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of young of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelations to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer, night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favour of God was upon him. 
for the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Master, you are now dismissing your servant in peace according to your words, for my eyes have seen your salvation. That's quite a statement, isn't it? What would it take for you or I to be able to say the same? What needs to happen in your life or mind to be at the point where we could die in peace having seen things fulfilled? Well, I'm going to need a lot more time to think about that because I don't know. There are lots of things I wish for and hope for. I hope for things for my children and my grandchildren. I hope for things for the people I live with and love. What would it take? What would need to happen to be able to be dismissed, to go in peace? For Simeon, it was fairly clear. He had received some kind of a vision, some kind of an insight. It seems many years before, we're sort of led to believe that the Messiah which in Greek is the Christ, and it simply means the anointed one, that an anointed one would come and finally, after long ages, save the Jews. They'd endured all kinds of horrors, invaded by the Persians and the Syrians and the Medes and the Greeks, and at the current time, the Romans. You know where Israel is. It's in the ancient world, it's a conduit between the northern part of Asia and North Africa. It's the trade route that everybody needs. It's the part of the world everybody needed to control in order to be the colonising power of the time. So many times the anointed one was promised. So many times there was an opportunity for greatness and for autonomy for the nation and it was dashed. What kind of faith or stubbornness is required to keep turning up at the centre of Jewish life, the temple, the place that says God is in charge of everything and the Jews are God's chosen people and you've got to keep turning up there even though it's patently obvious to anyone anywhere in the world at any time in history that God doesn't seem to give a fig about the Jews and if they're chosen... It's hard to know what they're chosen for. And yet here's Simeon and Anna turning up in the heart of their community. Jews uh, that gather for Passover will often say in part of the Passover experience, next year in Jerusalem, meaning next year in the centre of our culture when it all comes together. People of Jews have been saying that for thousands of years. Simeon was looking for the consolation, or a much better translation is the restoration of Israel. He wanted what was gone to come back. Some of us, we were talking about this on Christmas Day, that we, some of us are desperate for the world to go back the way it was pre-COVID. Some of us not so much, but it depends on how good things were before. So not everyone is looking for the same kind of restoration and deliverance which is what Anna's looking for when she talks about the, the, um, the deliverance or the redemption of Jerusalem. They're looking for something to go back. But actually, it's not about the good old days. 
because this is what Simeon says. Master, you're dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, for the Gentiles and the Jews. This, whatever this is that Simeon is looking for, it's not, let's go back to the way things were, the golden age, the tiny golden age of, of Israel was under King David. When they expanded the kingdom, they held on to it during the reign of his son Solomon, then it all fell apart again. He's not looking for that. He's looking for something much grander. Anna talks about all who were looking for the redemption or the, the um, deliverance of Jerusalem. This is something bigger. It's not the restoration of the way things were. It's the restoration of the world that I think is what's pointed to in the psalm that we read. It's the interconnectedness of everything. It's restoration and deliverance it's the recreating of things here and now. It's not for a future life. One day all of this will be over and we'll all go to heaven and everything will be wonderful. So Jesus doesn't seem to be keen on that at all. When he talked about recreating the world as God wanted it to be, he meant here and now. When he called fishermen, as he does later in this same gospel in Luke, he tells them, you're going to fish... You're going to still be you, who you are, but the way you do it and the, the, the kind of thing that happens will be expanded. You'll fish for human beings. So an interconnectedness of who they were, but restor restoring them into something much bigger than they ever expected, than they ever thought. But what does Simeon actually see? I have seen your salvation, but, but he just sees a baby. And not, nothing special this is what all babies end up doing, particularly firstborn sons. They turn up in the temple and they give a little offering. This is one of the clues that we have that Jesus and his family were from uh, the lower classes. It's because there's a, a prescribed offering for most people, you know, the wealthy, uh, and it's a, it's a, a lamb. Uh, but the prescribed offering, if you can't afford that, is a, a, a dove or a pigeon. So... They offer that, so that's one of the clues. There are other clues that they're from the lower classes. They're from the bottom of the heap. They're from the ones that are not probably that keen to see it all restored just so the rich get rich again. But babies turn up every day in the temple. Why this one? Why now? How does Simeon see the extraordinary in the ordinary? Don't wait for the answer. I haven't got a clue. I don't know. But he does. And if the psalm is right, then the extraordinary is in the ordinary everywhere, all around us. Everything is charged with the grandeur of God, as the poet Hopkins said. Everything is full of life. Now, we know this to be true. We've discovered that our bodies are actually made up mostly of absence. We're held together by things that move very, very fast and appear to be solid to us, as is the things we're sitting on. But they're actually made up totally of energy. The entire universe is energy. James Jeans, the great um, physicist, British physicist, said, as we're discovering more about, about this, this was in the early part of the 20th century, it turns out that the universe appears to be less like a great machine and more like a great thought. It's all energy. So whatever Simeon is seeing, 
He's seeing extraordinary in the ordinary. It's an extraordinary moment for him. It's an extraordinary moment for Anna. Now they're old. At least we assume Simeon is. We get the kind of impression that he is. He's been waiting a long time. Anna, we know, is old. Although not as old as some of us here. 84 is nothing anymore, is it? Which is great. Isn't that wonderful? It wasn't that long ago that 84 was extraordinary. Now it's commonplace. But age and wisdom, we really, really hope, at least I really hope they go together. Because I'm getting old. And I'm not sure about the rest of it, but maybe they do. Maybe somewhere in there there's wisdom. They have paid attention in a way... Hey, Gita. They have paid attention in a way that, that, uh, that has made, enabled them to see in the, the ordinary everyday events of the temple, another baby, another pigeon, another baby, another pigeon, another baby. Wait a minute. This is what we've been waiting for. And I don't know how you see that. I don't know how you notice it, except if you quieten and pay attention. That's what we're being offered all the time in the scriptures, an invitation to see the extraordinary in the ordinary. Most Sundays we have communion and when we do, we do the most ordinary thing we could possibly imagine. Stuff some of us already done an hour before when we had breakfast and we're likely to do a little bit later when we have lunch because we are fortunate enough to be able to have the food we need. But it's ordinary stuff and we've done it all our lives and if we don't, we starve to death, so we just keep doing it. And yet we're saying in the ordinary, these bits of bread, this particular bit of wine, we will see something extraordinary. That's the gift. I often think, what happened if this had just gone through as normal? One of the things Luke wants us to do is to know that Jesus and his parents were good, law-abiding Law, L-A-W and L-O-R-E, those of you who are thinking about law in different ways, they really were part of the culture. And you needed to know that because there was a time later when Luke was writing down this gospel where there was obviously huge dissension between those Jews who accepted that Jesus was who he said he was and those who would not. And so they wanted to make sure that you knew, if you were reading this, that Jesus was a good Jew and his parents were good Jews and they were doing the right thing. So here they are doing the right thing. What would have happened if Simeon and Anna had not seen the special in the ordinary? They'd just seen another kid coming through, another dove. Would that have made any difference? It would have to Simeon and Anna, but not, I think... To Jesus, I think his life would have gone on because that was what he was, his parents were required to do was the special ceremony, and they did it. And then he grew up in wisdom, and as, as the next text says, and then the next thing we see of him, um, he's an adult and he's doing his work. But how much would Simeon and Anna have missed out on? How much would they have gone to the end of their lives still longing for something real to have emerged and it never happened? How many people do we know that get to the end of their lives and they have no more clue about what it was for than they did when they were 15 or 25? There's a chance that we could do the same, isn't there? What does it mean? What is the purpose of it? How can, it, how can I be infused with the reality of the world around me, the depth of it, the energy of it, and know myself a part of it? 
wouldn't have made any difference, I think, to Jesus or Mary or Joseph, but it would have made a huge difference to Simeon and Anna when they went home that day. They had begun to experience the extraordinary in the ordinary. That's why there's so much light shining. That's why there's so much light shining.